Hi, and welcome to this week's LGBT Wellness Podcast. Each week, LGBT HealthLink, a program of Centerlink, brings you a roundup of some of the biggest LGBTQ wellness stories from the past week. Get ready to listen and learn lots. Hi, everyone. Welcome to our final LGBT Wellness Roundup of the year. Um, As always, if you are interested in learning more about any of the stories we're about to share, you can go to blog.lgbthealthlink.org where you will find links to all of them. So let's jump right into it with our first story of the week, Keeping Well During the Holidays. Outsmart shared strategies for staying well during the end-of-year holiday season, which they say can be difficult oftentimes for LGBT folks who may be estranged or have issues that they're dealing with with their families or communities, religious um, affiliations, etc. They share tips for setting boundaries, having a plan to exit um, a situation like a holiday event uh, should the Uh, atmosphere become unhealthy, um, as well as kind of tapping into whatever existing support systems folks have and exercising some self-care. Next up, $4.5 million for trans-led organizations. Metro Weekly reported on a $4.5 million fund started by Gilead to support work being done by transgender-led organizations across the country. Many of the recipients described efforts to broaden HIV prevention and treatment among trans people by looking at a broader set of issues that affect health and can lead to um, disparities with HIV and problems accessing treatment. So talking about things like housing, um, community involvement, and employment. Um, So really looking beyond just access to medication, um, which is great and very important, but doesn't, uh, you know, do everything that we want it to do for um, someone who is either at high risk for acquiring HIV or is living with HIV. So keeping with that same theme, our next story looks at understanding comorbidities in HIV. Researchers led by Andrea Lerner examined the importance of comorbidities and the continued fight to end the HIV epidemic. So, for example, they say that people living with HIV are more likely to have issues with cardiovascular, kidney, and liver health, and are more likely to develop cancer. And, you know, these are issues that aren't going to be addressed merely with antiretroviral therapy. Um, You know, that's really important in a lot of ways, including for, you know, keeping viral loads down. But it's not going to solve all the health issues of people who are living with HIV. And these things, in addition to being, you know, really serious health problems that can um, result in death, also really affect the quality of life for people. And I think it's important to keep an eye on that and to keep that as a really strong focus, um, even as we're, you know, there's a lot of attention, rightly so being paid to addressing HIV itself. There's also a lot that comes along with that that needs to be addressed. Next up, connectedness generally good for health. A research review led by Athena Sherman found that community connection among transgender folks was associated with a variety of positive health outcomes, including better mental health, greater connection to care, and more knowledge about gender transition issues. There were a couple downsides, though. Um, So one was uh, that sometimes such connectedness can make trans women in particular feel less comfortable going to sexual health clinics, where, you know, the, the more that they 
are part of the community, the more people that they know, um, the more stigma that they kind of felt um, potentially surrounding that, you know, with people seeing them coming in and out of a clinic and assuming that they have, um, you know, HIV or another sexual health issue. So really interesting there to think about, you know, how I, I think it's obvious to a lot of us that community connectedness would be good. Uh, it's great to see that there's research to support that, but also to think about, you know, the flip side of that and how we have to continue to work on stigma and, um, you know, think about issues like confidentiality and privacy, which are really important to folks as well. In our next story, which I have to say is definitely one of my favorites, Mexican Senior Center sets a new standard. The Week reported on a groundbreaking LGBT senior center in Mexico City that was founded last year by an 87-year-old transgender woman. Its clients say that the space helps to fill a social gap for those who have limited family relationships and social circles that may not be, um, you know, that large and robust. A lot of people said that they lost um, a lot of close friends and partners during the HIV epidemic, for example, um, and, you know, people said that they weren't as connected to their families as they would like to be. They also um, provide services there like internet access, shared meals, counseling, and help working through instances of discrimination. So this was a great story, um, really cool to hear about this work happening, and um, something that I think needs to be replicated all over the world, including here in the U.S. And in our final story of the week, cancer screening and gender-affirming surgery. Researchers led by James Rogg examined the usefulness of screening for anal cancer among trans women who are undergoing gender-affirming surgery, at least if they have elevated uh, risk factors for anal cancer, such as HIV or HPV infection. They explained the case of a trans woman who actually had a mass discovered while she was receiving surgery, and they say that there are currently no screening guidelines for whether or not screening should happen um, when someone is preparing to have gender-affirming surgery, and say that, you know, it may um, warrant more study to see should, should there be guidelines, um, you know, telling providers if someone is at risk that they have that screening before they go in for the surgery. Well, that's it for this week and for all of 2019. Uh, it's been a really exciting year with a lot of news. I think that the amount of research on LGBT health issues continues to grow. Um, you know, just thinking back five or six years, how much more limited it was than what we have today. We have so much more information coming in. We have more data being collected. That's really exciting and really important. And I hope that we'll continue to move in a positive direction in 2020, not only because this information is really important, but so that we can keep on bringing you more and more interesting roundups. Um, so thank you for listening. As always, if you want to find today's stories or look back at the year in review, actually we have a couple years posted, um, you can head over to blog.lgbthealthlink.org where we have our entire archive of roundups, including this week's. Thanks so much for listening and talk to you in 2020.